Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Hey, you wise guy. Hey, real wise guy. Over there. Hey, Those guys. Hey, hey, look at that guy. Yeah, Sammy the ears. Hey, that's Sam's mafia name. We were talking about it earlier. Shout out. String. Sam Moses. Shout out to Sammy the mafia. The, Sammy the ears. That's my mafia name. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's what man I, I do guess for it, an hour. I guess it does tie into the title. Because uh, it is kind of a wild thing, I suppose. Wild. The title of this episode, as you probably read by my fantastically typed out description, is something that Sam came up with. Oh. Wild things that we have done to save... A mix, a master, what have you. Yes. Wow. This will be a fun episode. I think it'll be pretty wild. It will be wild. We have no idea also how long this episode will be. Normally we can gauge it, but we'll just kind of see where we land. So anywho. Get yourself a snack. Strap yourself in. Buckle up. It's going to get wild. One of those cement shoes, though. <laughs> Take off your shoes. Anywho. Come on. I'm stopping. Hey. I have no Italian in my blood. It's all like German and Irish. Very like, cool. Too much. Like it's like everything to like have a reinforced liver. It's like <laughs> the genetics just line up. That's great. Anywho, Sam, take us into housekeeping. Oh, oh fun. fun. Let's do a wild housekeeping. Wild housekeeping. <laughs> Will it be the same music? No, it's gonna or be like wild. German beer drinking music. Could be German beer drinking. Could you play the bagpipes for this one? Because I was thinking something like uh, Boondock Saints or something. It's kind of a picture. Oh, man. All right, my friends. Welcome to this wild time. This wild, unique time of housekeeping. You get the unique experience chance to like, share, subscribe our podcast. Really, though, what we want you to do is keep screenshotting. Help us out. We need your help. Screenshot an episode this episode one you're on post it to instagram tag me moses mastering tag matt for the record mastering post it we reshare it cross marketing We've talked about it last year it is helping everyone your support has been so great it's just growing and growing and growing this is actually working organically which is fun um, we are meeting new people. Hopefully, you're meeting new people in the community. Um, but yeah, please help us out. Share the episode. Tag us. We'll reshare you. And uh, yeah, keeps the little attack and release community family going and expanding, which is fun and wild. So that's our housekeeping. You just kind of like keep on saying wild, 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 wild. That's wild. These are wild times. Wild times. Wild times. <laughs> All right. Did it. Feel good about so that. So this episode, wild things we have done to save... Wild. I don't know why I have a mix put here. It'd wild, wild thoughts. To save a master. What I'm with you, I get wild, wild thoughts. Holy shit. What do you want? Singing some DJ Khalid and Rihanna. All right. Get it. Classic. So, Lion. When was the last time you had to do something to save a master? Today. today. Yeah. I did some wild stuff today as well. I'm always doing wild things to masters. I'm I'm normally not. I think that's my career. <laughs> my career is being wild. Um I'm not afraid to experiment. I'm not afraid to to do what it takes to get the song across the finish line for people. Sounds I, like a LinkedIn profile. Yeah, it does. I'm prepared <laughs> to do whatever it takes. I'm a Enneagram number three, prepared to do what it takes. Teachable, loyal, kind. Um, do you yeah. ever see those things on like, like ways to write like really stupid, silly stuff on LinkedIn? <laughs> And it's like one of I don't know, like single-handedly implemented and delivered a multifaceted illumination system uh, 
which provided like, um, energy saving. It's just like changing a light bulb. It's when Daryl in the office is applying for his promotion with um, Sabre, <laughs> and she goes yeah. one one billion units of what, Daryl? <laughs> he goes paper. Yeah, you organize whatever one million or one billion units of product. Yeah. Yes. You got to, you know, show, show, not tell. That's what I learned in college in my business classes with a resume. You got to show them. You got to paint them a picture of what you're doing, what you did. You know, tell them of a past experience. I helped lead 500 people at a event for three days managing a $100,000 budget. That like, makes me sound I've great. I've helped seven companies reach... One billion dollars. There you are. Who wants to be number eight? Yeah, and it's like that just means you bought from seven companies. Or the old uh, one million dollars in sales, and it's like, oh, you sold it. one house. <laughs> All right, wild times, Sam. Wild times for anybody who does wild resumes times. and has a normal job. We're not hating on you, please. Because if I was to make a resume today, I would do that exact thing. So, uh, wild times, you know, wild times. Uh, let me just talk about some wild things I've done because I feel like when people think about mastering over the many years of me doing it now, they think it's some like very clean and prestigious thing and that we're very gentle and like ninjas and we're in and out and we don't do a lot of things and we're transparent and we're not supposed to really touch stuff. And I just found that overall um, that not to be the case to get the song cross the finish line, especially when clients will send me a mix. I listen to it and then they say, we want it to be X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, huh, well, okay then. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Thank you the for the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of times where um, I feel like what the client is telling me is not definitely not in the mix. Like the, And I have noticed over the years, I'll say that the direction they want to go in, I often feel like is like, yeah, that is where we should go. This mix just isn't close to that. So I need to get creative with it. So, you know, things I've done is reverbs. We've talked about that. I've done delays on masters. I've split the song up into four tracks. I've stacked parallel tracks on top of each other. I've <laughs> added samples on the downbeat of choruses. I have done um you know tons of different i've screw around with parallel processing all the time and saturation um for different sections of the song it's kind of like people are aware of like michael brower and his browerism mixing thing which kind of made him famous um he basically for a long time and i think he does it now in the box but he still mimics it is basically he just had like color options constantly with compressors on outboard. So he would bust the vocal to like eight different compressors for the chorus and he would ride all of those in and out to have thicker and brighter, or more intense, more in your face. Um, that was kind of his style of mixing and still is, is just having tons of parallel color options essentially to EQ and change the energy through the song. So sometimes I'll do that. I'll bust the song out to another track and have multiple buses going on of a master and sum it all back together. Um, you know, there are times where I will automate the heck out of stuff where like the chorus, I'll clip gain, clip change, change the verses. Um, man, I've been in some sticky situations where isotope master rebalance where I will like stack three of those on top of each other. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Tank your CPU. Yeah, and just, like, adjust the vocal and the bass and the drums and basically, like, remix the song for people. And that works really well sometimes. Um, I just, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, everything I'm talking about is just a tool, essentially. <clears throat> and I think that's, like, with today's episode, when I was learning, when before I was mastering, I really wanted to engineer and mix. I thought that's what I was going to do is, like, record bands and then probably mix it for like a living. And when I started down that path, I did have some success in it, but I spent, I learned way more from high up mixers than I have from mastery engineers. Um, like getting the chance to like sit with some of the best mix engineers to ever do it. 
I had more of those opportunities than sitting with mastering engineers when I was first starting. But all those dudes that I got to watch or learn with, they are all so heavy-handed and like, I'll say wild. And I remember just most of them like compress, they stack stuff all the time. They do whatever it takes to make the song have a vibe, have an emotion. And they're often extremely heavy-handed in figuring out how do I make this song sound better, feel better, and make the client ecstatic. And there are no rules. That would be like... No oh, shit, I'm writing that sentence. Yeah, right there now. are no <laughs> rules in, in audio. Um, there are things to learn, like things to learn, but that's not rules. So foundational skill sets learn about gain stage and EQs and compressors and attack and release knobs. Learn. There's lots to learn. There's tons to learn, but there's very few, if any, rules, I think, in audio. Um, there are definitely processes that seem to give consistent results. If you do this, this, and this, that seems to equal this. You know, if you do uh, multiple limiters stacked as opposed to one taking off everything, uh, the multiple limiter seems to be more musical and you know, mm-hmm. transparent. We've talked about stuff like that. So there are things and processes and workflows that people have done for years that seem to produce some sort of consistent result that people really enjoy. The audience enjoys, the commercial market enjoys, and the client enjoys. So there are things like that you can learn and apply, but those are not rules. Those are just processes, process eyes. So I get asked within our community a lot, probably every week someone will go, hey, I do this. Is this wrong? Hey, I route things this way. Is that wrong? Hey, I do this and this and this. Can I do that? We are so hesitant um, and we act like we need permission from someone like me, someone, and I get it. I used to be more this way of like, I want the person I view above me, the person I kind of look up to, the person I want like to be noticed by or deemed as good. I want their permission that what I'm doing is okay. I want that that confirmation that the route I'm going, the way I'm going is okay. Like I remember with some of the mastering higher up guys that I've gotten to meet the last couple of years and talk to and like kind of be mentored by like, you know, there was definitely times where I would master stuff and send it to them and they would master the same song. And I, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, is, is this correct? Even though I've been mastering for 10 years, essentially successfully, there's definitely always a part of me that's like, I want to be affirmed that this is okay, that I stack this on that and that. And they've always come back and said, basically, Sam, there's no rules. Like, it sounds great. Like, it's great. You like it. The client likes it. You know, and that's that. And that's kind of, over the years, I've adopted with people is like, I'll have people come to me and ask me, hey, can you check out my master? Can you check this out? Is it okay? Blah, blah, blah. And I always, you know, and we've said it on the podcast too, is like, do you do you like it? And do your client, does your client like it? If you like it and your client likes it, you know, in theory, don't change anything. If you don't like it, you know, and your client doesn't like it, we need to talk. If your client likes it and you don't like it, maybe we need to talk, you know, like. But if you like it and they like it, then keep doing it. Like, that's great. So there are no rules. You can get super wild. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to to totally throw the kitchen sink at something. I'm not afraid to. I mean, honestly, like one of the biggest tricks I've done, and it's not even this is this is where like I think mastering is so misunderstood and limited and put in a box, no pun intended. But like at the mix stage, like my mixers I talk to, they'll move heaven and earth to make it sound good. They'll replace every drum sample. They'll re like reamp things. They'll retune the vocal on top of the tuning that's always there, like already there. They'll do all these things and manipulate the song. And a lot of the top mixers do this. They'll replace every drum sample. They'll reamp every guitar, you know, through a different amp. They'll they'll do a lot of things to make the song feel better, to get better. Um, but then when it comes to mastering, it's like, no, 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 don't touch it. Don't touch it. But me coming from like an engineer mix background, I've just always been more, I'll say, quote unquote, creative or heavy handed at mastering from the start where I'm like, I want to do whatever it takes. And like, I will add a kick drum sound on the downbeat of a chorus a lot of the times, if, if not a lot, but if a song is not hitting correctly, 
on the chorus. If it feels like, oh, the kick got lost because their compressor's smashing down 4 dB now probably on the mix bus, I will add a kick drum sample just on the downbeat of just on one, like on the first hit of the chorus. And it just makes the thing sound amazing. And I sum it together and print it, like send it both out and through the same thing and comes back in together as one track. But I am not afraid to manipulate a song to to make it sound the best it can and bring more so not I don't care so much about making it sound the best it can anymore. I'm the last three to five years, I really care about the energy and vibe and mood. Like that's I lean more towards that now more than anything. Where when I first started, I was like really concerned with sonics and precision and blah blah. Which is, I think, once again, things to learn about. But the last few years, and I think it's made me a better engineer, and I think clients like it too, is like I'm very concerned about the energy and if I'm bored. And if I'm bored at all, then I try and figure out how to make the song not boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where like I'll get creative. Like Courses can have reverb on them. Uh, courses can have drum samples on them that I add. Courses can be parallel. Verses can be more monoed, like... I've done that before where I'm like, oh, this verse is just too wide and I'll just narrow it up and make it more mono so then when the chorus actually hits, it feels like the chorus goes somewhere. Um, In 99.9% of the time, I have never had a client say anything. Now, my clients, if you're listening, I trust that you will not start asking all these questions of what am I doing? Did you do this on it? You have trusted me for 10 years. We have done great work together. So continue to trust me that I will always serve the song. I'm not doing it for fun. I'm not bored. I'm just trying to really get it across the finish line and make it explode, just like you did at the mix stage and the producer did. It's all for the same end goal of making a great song, feel great, have great emotion, you know, move through its parts, and then when the consumer gets it, you know, they adore it too. So I'm going to stop there because that was a long talk. Matt, do you get wild on your masters. I don't even know, honestly. Like, I feel like we don't talk about this a ton. And I'm very curious about what is your wild things you do. I don't really have a wild side. You don't have I'm a pretty, wild side. I'm pretty conservative with like what I do. I mean, I'm not like come I'm on. Not, like super conservative with what I do, but in general, I try to stick pretty close to the mix. And here's the thing. When I don't stick close to the mix, because I'm told not to stick close to the mix, this happened very recently. Like, I was told, we don't really care about preserving things. We just want it to, like, like, I don't know, just go crazy with it. And I went crazy with it, and I didn't like it. I was like, they wanted something closer to the mix. And it's like, well, then just say you wanted something closer to the mix. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things like people are like, they like tape until they know what tape sounds like. Right. <laughs> um, it could be, it's like, why is like the low end like got like really kind of like, got like really present and then like the the top end, like where'd all like my little air and sizzle go? And it's like, well, funny. Tape and then like real tape off. machine. It's like, what's all that like, like thing that's going on? I'm moving my hand in front of the microphone. So a little wow and flutter kind of kind of deal going on. So, oops, just hit my mic. That's a cool sound. You should sample that later. You're welcome. That'll be in the intro. <clears throat> anyway. Um I actually I don't I don't really do too much. Like if it's like if stuff's like really close, then it's like I'm going to do what it needs to do in order to to get across the finish line. I mean, I don't mind hitting stuff heavy and I mean like I think People know that, I mean, I guess if you listen to the show long enough, I've kind of quoted and I've been quoted with saying that, like, I do hit my gear like it owes me money. So, um, hey, saying, what's that? Hey, it's like a mafia yeah. thing, you know? Your yeah, like you know, you know, get whacked. Hey. So, I mean, I, I definitely don't, but like, I mean, that might just kind of seem conservative to me because that's kind of how I've worked it into my workflow. I wouldn't say that I do anything like what you do, like splitting songs up and stuff. I've tried it, and I've actually done stuff that's been really weird. Um, I've processed the mid, and I've processed the side differently onto different tracks. 
um, because I needed to do something specific that I can, I can't remember. I just remember doing it and then like summing it back together. But I think I ended up not doing it because I was really afraid that with how I did it, that the left channel would be, that it would just like continue in mid side, that the left channel would be mid and the right channel would be the side. And if you listen in a car, it would sound really strange. <laughs> and so, and that like, like as in like, as in replay and not like, I guess I could, <clears throat> I wonder what would happen if I run a mid side signal and invert it through my mid-side processor. No, but then it's got like, it's got a converter back on the output. I don't know. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, I get so, I get so much in my head about certain things that I, I do talk myself out of some stuff. Um, I think when I get too heavy-handed, um, what do my notes say? I mean, <clears throat> I have no problem. Like, I remember, this was funny. I remember when I was like, not getting started, but I like, remember like when I was started doing stuff out of the box and I like for some reason thought it was scandalous to like run something through like my chain twice mm -hmm. and then I was just kind of like I just like now you just got to wait twice as long for the same <laughs> thing and it's like why not just try to figure it out from the beginning and so like I've created processes that I guess might seem wild to other people but it's not really wild to me I mean I'll have like I'll normally also like go with the artist's discretion. And so I'll have like lo-fi artists who are like, you know, give me like, give me like a little bit of analog pumping on there. And it's like, well, that's my love language. And so I'll flip the very mu into, into limit and I'll turn the high pass off and I'll just let it grab all that low end and just kind of have it be like a pretty fast release just so it, it, just so the needles get back to zero in time for the next kick or whatever's going to happen. Um, that's about as wild as I get with the very mu. The massive passive is always just kind of being like pushed and shoved and it's always just kind of being nudged in weird directions. I feel like it's so normal to me, the weird things that you can do with a massive passive. Also... Mm -hmm. I don't know if you real, realize this. I made a post about this a little while ago, and I don't really think anyone gave a shit. But <laughs> if you look on your massive passive, did you notice that on, like, the bands? So, like, if you look at, like, one column of bands, so, like, say the first column, mm -hmm. uh, th the third notch up is 47, but then 180 degrees from four, 47 hertz is 470, like, hertz. And like 22 hertz, 120 degrees on the other side, or yeah, 22 hertz is 220. And then it like, it continues the whole way up. And I've always like wondered how people picked things. And I don't really think there was much rhyme or reason how this was laid out. Just be like, yeah, this just sounds like gold, every frequency you use it for. And so it's like, I can look at 10K and I know the exact other side of it is 1K. Yeah. And I don't know. Anywho, it's like 12, like 100, and the other side's 12K. Did you ever notice that? Does yours do that? I don't think so specifically. <clears throat> I'll have to look at it later. Oh, you're not at your stuff? Anyway. I am. I'm just like turned away from it looking out the you're window. You're in a comfortable speaking position. I am. I literally have my legs kicked up. My chair's on the <laughs> other side of my desk so I can look out the I'm window. I'm like sitting. And this is the difference between you and me. I'm sitting <laughs> upright at my desk. The yeah. proper, like my diaphragm is in the proper position to That's why you sound so good. <laughs> it's why I sound radio quality. You do. People um, tell me that. Like, Matt has a radio voice. I'm like, I know. I you know, you know a fun fact about me? I also have a face for radio. <laughs> it works out. <laughs> it pans out. Pans out for anyway, you. Um, yeah, I mean, the massive passive just gets like pushed and pulled all the time. Um, I think it's funny how often a shelf gets involved at very inappropriate, mm. in very inappropriate positions. Mm -hmm. So like people will always like, like when... The, the most stupid thing, and this is why I don't really go in these groups anymore, is like you'll see in like the Mastering Nerds Facebook group or something like that, just kind of like where like a lot of the guys who are like cut their teeth in it hang out. And it's like you do have like some really well-renowned people in there. Um, 
But it's like, if you're going to have a stupid question, it's going to, like, mastering-wise, it's going to, from people who master or try to do it, that's kind of where it hang. it's going to hang out. And they'll... I don't know why people get, like, all caught up on these, like, really BS rules. Mastering is only supposed to compress around a quarter to a half decibel, and it's just, like really slow attack and pretty fast release. It's like, fuck that, man. You can, like, slam that ratio. Do you know how many times on my, like, little API, I'll just, like, flip it, flip the ratio all the way over to limit? And it's like, if you want, like, a certain vibe, like, a 1.5 to 1 ratio is not really going to give you, like, a really big kick sound on, like, soft knee and normal thrust setting and on the new, whatever, tone type, you're not going to get there. It's like you're going to have to do the same stuff, and it's like, especially, I don't want to say this. Yes, I'll say this. If the mixer or whoever did not take care of it, it's now your problem because you obviously know where it needs to go, Mm -hmm. and you can't be like, oh, well, I did all I could do based on the rules that I know. No, no. You know where it needs to end up, and so if there's slack that needs to be picked up, you need to pick it up. And if that means that you need to flip a compressor into a, like, 20-to-1 limiter, then with, like, a really hard thrust setting, which is just, like, I think, like, a knee, and then, or no, like, the yeah, the knee setting, and then, like, a really loud or medium thrust tone. It's funny, because I actually, on this API, the 2500 Plus, we got a gear episode when you be doing coming up, by the mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I have never used the new mode. I don't like the new mode. I like the feed for it. I always mm-hmm. like the feedback. And it's like you get some of that, like, you get the the gain kind of cycling back to the uh, uh, to the input stage. And I really like it and, like, feeds into itself. And it's, like, so, like, vibey and perfect. And... I don't know. I, I, and to me, it's not like what wild things have I done. It's just like, I feel like I, I, I know what needs to happen and where it needs to go. And I hear some people talk about mastering in the terms of like, yeah, it's like, I kind of see it like a painting or I kind of see it, whatever. And you have those metaphors. Right. My metaphor is I see it like a puzzle. And I look at the box and you look at the front little thing. It's like, I know what the cat puzzle needs to look like. And I know the gray piece does not go there. It's not fitting there. How do we rearrange this puzzle if it needs to so that we can get this to where it needs to go? And I'm lucky enough that I have like clients who uh, trust me and let me um, exert my judgment if need be. On some mixes. Some mixes I just leave the heck alone and I'm just like, you just need to be louder in the cleanest way possible, which has totally happened. And I like when that happens. It's actually some of the most difficult stuff because not everything's a really clean way and not to to, to, to make stuff louder. And not every knob that says gain on it sounds the same. Yeah. And not every output setting is has the same tone to it. Um and it's like that may not even be going in the box because it's like you might be taking off too much. And you might not even be hitting a converter too hard. You might just be like exerting too much of a tone on something that was already perfect to begin with. Yep. So it's like that's all to do with the API. I mean, I have no problem. Like I really like driving my, my Neve. And, I mean, if the red lights aren't on on that thing, then, I mean, I've said this in other episodes. I've paid for the lights. I'm going to use them. Um, Let's see. Converter. Put that on a mug. My goodness. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's my thing. It's like, I've, I like, even in, even with plugins, it's like my notes, like, note three says clip everything. And that's what I do. Um, I mean, if it sounds bad, I don't do it. And if it, like, makes an audible sound, I don't, like... Like, if it makes a unappetizing sound, then I obviously don't do it. But I don't mind making one piece of gear kind of sound weird so I can bring that sound up in another piece of gear. It's just just gain staging. It's my own personal thing. Let me do what I'm going to do. Right. And, uh, yeah, but I do not mind hitting converters. It's... um, I know we've had this whole like converter talk before. 
Um, Sam makes fun of me for slamming stuff into my converter and me not using the convert. Like, I'm like, oh, the converter is noisy. And so he's like, well, yeah, because you're not using it. How are you supposed to be using it? And I'm like, whatever. I'm just going to pay way more money to get a converter I can do it for. And so I really like the Crane Song head because I can send a lot of junk into it. And if anyone's listening who really makes converters, something that no converter has that every converter should have is how is a gain reduction function not like oh like a limiter kind of like how the neve one has but so i so you can see how much is being removed through the clipping function of the converter no converter does that and i think that's a big l Interesting. in the converter game i think that the the weiss converter might do it the adc might do it i haven't played with it but they there is a gain reduction function on it. Yeah. That's the only one I think I've ever seen it on. But every converter, like, why would you be like, oh, here's a red light? And then you're just like, well, now, like, my lights are a big brick wall of green and red. And I don't know how much in the red I'm going, mm. which I'd probably be a little, like, less liberal about how much I'm tanking it if I were to know how much I'm tanking it. Right. And so it's like, just use your ears. And it's like, yeah, I can do that. But I have more than one sense, and I would like to actually see it as well. Um, so, anywho, I don't know if I'm being wild. <laughs> I mean, things. you don't it's sound just what that I do. wild, yeah. I don't know if I'm being wild, but, like, do you want to go? Because I got more stuff to say. Well, <clears throat> there's going to kind of be, like, around, like, kind of fuck the rules. The meta the the metaphor thing I've always been like not thrilled with metaphors either with mastering. Sorry for cussing so much. I no, get passionate about okay. people being stupid things. Um the only metaphor I ever liked in my head that helped me and obviously metaphors are helpful for people, like different ones work for different people. I one time I haven't thought about a metaphor for mastering in a long time, but when I did many years ago, I thought of it as like packing your suitcase was my metaphor. And that depending on how you pack the suitcase determines how much you can get into it. So in mastering, we have like a finite amount of room, obviously, of what we can put in it. So I always pictured like if you pack really nicely, like put the socks and the shoes or like air compress your, your clothing down so you can get more in it. I view that as like compression balancing mm. out. But if you just like throw everything in the suitcase without finding its space, then you can't pack as much in. Um, and so that was always my metaphor in my head of viewing it as a suitcase of like, I have to pack this correctly, potentially hmm. determining, d- dependent on where we're going on vacation. <laughs> How many days and where are we going? What do I hmm. need to, to bring with me? And how do I get that in the suitcase? Um, and I thought of this one time when I was packing for Florida like four or five years ago because my wife is like a perfect packer. And I'm more like a toss it in the bag. I'll just get a bigger suitcase and throw it in. Do you pack the night before or like I'll pack like early packer? the day we go? I'll be going to like Hong Kong or something and my wife's like, are you going to be packing? Your flight leaves tomorrow. I was like, eh, I'll get it tomorrow. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> day, if the flight isn't, like morning, like 6 a.m., I pack, you know, the day of. And if yeah. it isn't early, then it's like a 10 p.m. pack. Well, it's more like a 9 p.m. when I go to bed. But that's the only like metaphor I've ever personally, like I've come up with. I've never heard anyone else talk about it. I think I've only told my wife about it <laughs> until now. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. But like a suitcase. Uh, you've heard the metaphor of a suitcase before? No, I've oh, heard okay. a lot of people talk about like metaphors with mastering because they oh, yeah. try to explain it to people. Right, yeah. That's more so like a metaphor for like what I feel like I how I approach it. Um, and that's when you can get wild again. Like you can pack some stuff in some shoes or like get a different bag to stick in there. Or you Got can like... Marie Kondo style. Yeah, you can like minimalist it. Minimalist it. Minimalist it. If you don't love it, say goodbye. Uh, yeah, be grateful, say thank you, and bye. <laughs> um, I love that. My wife loves that. Yeah, it's great. Um, now all our clothes are folded in a way that I don't know how to do it. <laughs> yes. But they look great. Right. 
Never wrinkled. Um, roll Never it wrinkled. up. You know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. But I'm so indecisive. I'll grab like three shirts and I'll be like, no, I like this one more. And then I'll kind of yeah. mess up the system. See, but this Sorry, is the, the metaphor played out too. Because then when you get to your location, so say like the audience gets to hear the song. When you unzip the suitcase, if you pack like an idiot, stuff's just wrinkled. You can't even wear it. Like you got to re, like you got to like iron it out or steam it. Or you can't even wear the shirt you wanted to wear that night because it's so wrinkled. You can't enjoy it. But if you pack really nicely, oh, there's no way open that if you suitcase. have like a polo or like a button down or something, there's no way you're not gonna not have to iron it. You roll that baby up and you stick it somewhere safe. Your first night. See, I here's what I've I never. This is what I do now. So I may pack very last minute, but I will think about the first 24 hours. So I will make sure my first 24-hour outfit, if I'm getting there and I'm like, all right, I got a lunch and a dinner and a beach, I'm getting those three outfits like nicely positioned, situated, and protected. So they're ready to go for the day. And then everything else, I'm like, whatever, I can throw it in dryer, I can hang it up, I can steam it, iron it, figure that out in two days from now. So that's how I pack. Um, because I agree, that's almost f- everything is like wrinkled. So I'm like... Normally yeah. I have like a little roll of cigars or something I'm trying to pad, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> priorities. <laughs> yeah. My priorities are a touch different. Yeah. But anyway, getting wild. I'll hand it back to you. What do you got uh, for your no rules? Go. No, I just, I think it's silly when like people just put out rules and like, yeah, this is how you have to do it. And they like, they put like a craft like this kind of into a box. Yeah. And they tell like, as a business, this is how you perform. And it's like, I don't know, with like my other business, it's like there's certain ways and certain distribution methods on how you do stuff. And it's like, no, screw you. Like, I'm going to distribute my product the way I want to distribute it, and I'm going to sell it the way I want to sell it. And if you don't want it, that's fine. But it's like, I know I have the best product out there, and if you don't want it, then that's not my problem. I mean, all your people are going to be asking for it, so see you in six months. (laughs) So I don't know. Like, I, I I don't really understand why there are rules. And it's like, even on like, I just think it's like kind of funny. It's like, oh, well, you have like a harsh S or like you have like a really harsh tone. It's like, oh, grab a DS or it's like, no, I'm going to do something kind of weird. And it's like, I might grab like a tape machine and I might try to change the overall tonality of that top end. And like with the built-in EQ, I, I, I really like that ATR-102 if mm-hmm. anyone here is new. <laughs> Because I say it just about every episode, but it's got a great high end EQ on it, and it's got some just some really good functionality. And it's like I'm just going to tone shift that whole area, and it's going to kind of fall into place. And nine times out of ten, it works really well. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'll totally have things for a completely different purpose than like what they're sold for. And I might only buy something which is reckless, I suppose, financially. I might just buy something because there's one knob that when I demoed it, I liked. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to do with it. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's irresponsible. I think like, like the whole thesis of what I'm saying is like, I think it's really irresponsible to listen to people on the internet who honestly don't do this for a living and say like, give you a bunch of rules you need to listen to. Don't get me wrong. We're two dudes on the internet and (laughs) saying like what you should do, which is like the antithesis of like what these other people are saying. We are two dudes on the internet. They're saying follow the rules and we're like don't follow the rules. But like I'm not saying it in like like, oh, screw the system. I'm not saying it in that method. I'm just saying like these people who are telling you about all these rules are telling you about them from a position of ignorance because they don't do it. They just have a concept of what they think mastering is. Right. And they're like, oh, well, you should only master to this output level. And it's like, yeah, but then your crap's going to sound really, like, quiet whenever they get rid of normalization because it's not going to last. It's a system that doesn't work. We already talked about it. (laughs) Um, See episodes, like, 125 or whatever. Um, 
the thesis is, however, that the only real rule is, like, to you, does it sound good? Mm-hmm. And then does it sound good to the client? I'll also, like, a, I'll, I'll, like, really quick, like, A, B it to the mix. And if, like, the top, if, like, the top end is really hyped or something like that, I'll be like, uh, I don't really know if this is, like, the, the artist's intent. And it's like, I might recall, like, there was, for, I, and I couldn't figure this out for the life of me. I had, I had an EP I was working on. And I did some analog prints, and I was like, man, this low end just got super beefy. And it's like, I couldn't figure it out. I was looking over my recall notes. I was looking over settings I had. I was looking over everything, and I just could not. I was like, where did all this, like, beef, like, of this song come from? Like, well, that old lady's like, where's the beef? Like, it's I don't know. I, it, it's there, but I don't know where it came from. And uh, I... Uh, Listening back the next morning because I'll normally do like on C, like some singles and EPs I'll do like a like a forty eight hour turnaround and I'll like normally have stuff dialed in like I don't know moderately quick if it's like easy stuff but like I'll want to go back and just like listen again and so like anyone who will come to me and be like hey what do you think about this master like like and some people have done this they'll be like the client didn't like this and I just kind of want some feedback on what do you think? It's like, sure. It's like, I don't mind giving somebody like just my two cents and I'm not trying to offend anyone by it, but it's like, I'll give you like my opinion. Um, and nine times out of 10, it's like, yeah, well, you kind of did what they said you did and they didn't like that. And I think just think you normally deviate, you just deviated too far from, from their intent to which you can tell by the mix, if it's a good mix, what the intent of the artist is. Um, or the if the artist doesn't know their intent, then the the mix engineer producer. Sometimes the artist is so artsy that um, they leave the intent up to the other people, and they're just worried about creating. And I mean, that's those are fun situations too, um, because then that allows you to create and go crazy. And like I had a song, they're like, yeah, just like we want like a we want more like low end like like distortion and stuff. And it's like okay, sounds good to me. And so I'm dialing it in right now. Um, but anyway, back to this whole thing. I couldn't figure out where this whole, like, beefy stuff came from. And I was just like, this is not the intent of the artist, at least I don't believe, because it wasn't there before. And so I just, I was like, you know what? We're just going to do this in the box. And I think the intent of the artist is really close to this mix. And we just need to be a little bit louder and have a good bit more glue. Like, this thing just needed some glue and, like, a big hug. Um, the... It's kind of like resulting from a situation of like it needed more glue at the mix stage and it didn't get that. And so now it has to have glue at my stage, which is totally fine. And I don't mind being a little more heavy handed. Um, but two lessons. Does it sound good? Um, and uh, and, and i.e. and like doing whatever it takes. And then really relying on a really quick A-B. And you just A-B and you move on. Mm. And you don't get like hung up and stuff and whatnot. It's like you're on deadlines, they're on deadlines. And it's like get the thing that sounds as best as it can and, and, and move on. And there's, there's, there's no need to really mull around with it. A quick A-B and move on. Um, and it's like obviously do your due diligence. Do diligence and don't be reckless with it. But right, um, well, that's what I would want to say is like, I don't approach a song going like, "Huh, I wonder what I can go wild on." (laughs) Either can't wait to wreck this. Right. My first thought is always like, basically restraint. Like, what do I not need to do? But probably, you know, like every day, there's like a song where even on a record. Like, there may be, like, nine consistent one. I'm like, huh, this is the odd one out. Like, what happened here? <laughs> you know, it's so far away. So I have to mm-hmm. make it fit, like, song number six in the record or something. And at that stage, it's like, I will get extremely creative and do whatever I need to do to make it feel like the others. Because once it's in in its proper context, like, the client, and I am too, when I listen top down, like, I know what I did, but in theory, when I am like, all right, let's approach this in theory with like fresh ears as if I'm a new client, like it then fits. So there's nothing distracting about what's been done. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's how it needs to be. 
that's too something I'm I've been surprised on over the years is sometimes when I get wild on a song and I A B like mixed to my master, I'm like, whoa, like we are like <laughs> different universe here. But I'm like, this is what it needs to do. Like, I mean, there are yeah. times, I mean, like today or uh, yesterday, like I had like a 10 dB shelf at 2K on a song because it just was so dark. Sure. And I was like, I just can't imagine they wanted this pop song to be so dark. Like, yeah. And I put this giant shelf on because I was like, just sounds like pop song, sounds like modern pop, like what they mentioned they wanted to be like. And they heard it and they didn't, they just said, this is amazing. Like the energy is incredible on it now and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just thinking, well, you're bringing it back. Yeah. I just am always thinking kind of like, oh my gosh, like I, not that I can't believe I got away with it because I didn't get away with it. I'm just doing my job, but to eat, essentially meet through a can't goal. believe that was the answer yeah that's more of like i can't believe i had to do 10 db at 2k and above like to get that thing to sound like a normal mm-hmm. pop song that's out in 2022 i think that's to me one of the more surprising things is when someone's like oh it sounds so good now it's like my mix but you know better and i'm you know things like that and those are all amazing compliments great but I am always kind of surprised on some of those products where I'm like, goodness, if you knew what like had to go into this, you know, to get it there. And that's sometimes, depending on what it is, too, I may, once we wrap, I might tell the mixer, hey, how did you feel about X, Y, and Z? You know, you sure. had mentioned you liked this song and this song. You know, I just want to check with you, you know, as like quality control, like, do you feel like in your room it was really dark? You know, and if not, then you might want to check your room or like what you're listening to. So Mm -hmm. I'll usually, if I know I got like crazy wild on it, then crazy wild, then, uh, you know, I'll usually have a conversation after we wrap the project and just, just check in, just say hi, you know, care about you basically want to make sure your room's good, you know, everything's all right. So, but yeah, my initial thing is never, I never like on my chain, there is no like standard reverb delay, like kick samples, (laughs) like, I just want to put that out there for this episode that I'm not just like slate triggering, you know, set up on every master to hit a transient. So, but sometimes, you know, like. It's like on your little presets for your your template. (laughs) It's like slate drums. Right. Just a tom drum on every other hit. Um, But yeah, I just want to put that out there that for people listening to this episode, I'm not afraid to do whatever I think needs to be done, but. I always use restraint first. And I think that's sure what you should do in theory. The goal is not to just go crazy on it. The goal is to do what you need to do to complete the project. And sometimes that feels wild. We should make the wild plugin. <laughs> Did you see that God particle plugin? That's yeah. a wild looking plugin. I demoed it. It's pretty cool. I have a handful of clients who demoed it, and I had a guy reach out to me on Instagram and be like, you should check this out. And I looked at it, and I was like, that looks pretty wild. It is. If I, I was mixing here's more, my problem, I would, man. Uh, I'm so ADD. Use it. I would just be staring at that GUI for like 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, beautiful. As you turn like up the, frying my ears. Turn up the particles, the saturation, basically it gets even more colorful. So yeah, it's fun. Did you buy it or you just demo? I it? demoed it because I had a few people be like, "Check it out, you know, check out the limiter, blah blah." Yeah, I found it for mastering not to be great, and the the gain boost. There's a lot of gain boosting happening that tricks the ears within it. But I will say, if I was mixing, I would put that thing on my mix bus and mix into where the green lights turn on for the the lows and the mids and the highs, because that's Jason Joshua's like sound. And I found when I pushed the EQ. To where it lit up green, which is like supposedly his curve, it does sound sonically like a lot like his his sound. So, um, oh yo, let's end this in kind of an interesting way. What's yes. something that you're looking at getting that might be a little bit wild, <laughs> wild, like like not like mastering use per se, and it can be as close or as far from mastering as you want. But is there something you've like looked at recently that you're like I might hop into this? <sighs> Um, I mean, I've thought about going back when I was mixing a lot more engineering. I use guitar pedals on stuff all the time, mm. and so I've thought about like trying to rig up my 
guitar pedals for mastering, like buying like uh because when I was mixing, I would just reamp stuff, so like mono basically stuff. It's like something needs reverb, you run it through a big sky. Yeah, I used to do things like that all the time. Um, the DD20 delay is amazing on vocals for people out there. Um, and you just print it like hardware. But is there like a DD50 or DD500 or something? I don't, it's I like think a they big made white different delay pedal. Yeah, that's the well, the classic one is like what I have. It's two pedals. It's got two basically on off in the tab. It's DD20. And that had like the classic dotted eighth note sound. That's like yeah, DD five hundred digital delay, Boss. Yeah, yeah. I used to have one of those. Those things are expensive. Pedals are not cheap. They're not cheap, but they're not as much as like a lot of gear. Sure. But anyway, I've thought about like going back to my quote unquote roots and like maybe trying to like do a stereo pair or something, <laughs> like buy the same distortion pedal twice and then figuring that out. That would be Any, pretty wild because there's all sorts of like level issues and impedance issues in theory by just running it out and in. But you know, it's, uh, hey, it's plugins, wild. plugins. I mean, to be honest, like that's probably where I get the most wild already. Like I will use <laughs> any plugin out there for mastering. Like I, I, there's no, there's no thought. Like I will just pull up. I. I feel like I know my plugins really well and I know what they sound like and I'll just pull up like any like I'll I've u- I use like the SSL channel strip from Waves on Masters all the time mm. like the actual channel strip you know because the filtering is awesome and the it's EQ nice. is awesome yeah like I will use anything like the Manny EQ like the standard Manny EQ from Waves great for mastering it's like a color box. Each EQ is modeled after his own hardware that he mm-hmm. thinks is the best lows, the best mids, the best you know highs. Awesome. Um, what else do I love? I love the old V series. I've said that before from Waves. The original Neve emulations they did the V comp, the VQ stuff's freaking great. Use it for mastering. Um, what else do I use? I mean, obviously stock logic stuff. No, it, like, is there something you're looking into? I know. I just feel like I, I guess the answer is no. Like, <laughs> I already do it all. It. I do, like, I have a mess of everything. Like, a couple of years ago, I just went through a ball, like, all, just everything out there. Not everything out there. Just kidding. That's not true because I own nothing Universal Audio. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's not really a plug-in per se that I've been jonesing to get. Because um, I just have... I feel like I have so many at this stage that there's still ones to get wild with that I haven't. I haven't had a wild night with them yet. <laughs> Whatever All that means. Right? It's interesting. All right. Anyway, I'm saying that when I was like cursing like a sailor early in this episode. I feel bad when I do that. And like anytime I hear someone cursing a podcast, I'm like, well, that was uncalled for. <laughs> it's like, I don't, just podcast I, guy. I yeah. Like, I don't know. Anyway, and it's like, I know that like there's like a handful of colleges that have reached out to us and been like, yeah, we have your, we like have our students listen to your podcast. And I was like, that's really nice. I should probably not talk like a sailor. Well, college is a wild time, so let's be honest. College uh, is a wild time. I don't This I know. podcast I don't know. is way more tame than college. This podcast is way more tame than college. College so, is wild. I don't really think we understand like the size of this podcast and I, we still treat it like it's like season 1 episode 1. We I was say we treat it like it's and, me and you just talking on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> which is what we're doing. Yeah, it's like we, Sam and I hop on the phone at 4 p.m. Eastern and we talk for an hour and then, and then we, hit we just like, okay, what do you want to talk about at like 4.55? And then when, that's probably the most wild thing <laughs> is we don't really have stuff planned out. Um, can you tell? Can you tell anyway, some of the episodes? My whole thing that I would like to try that I don't really know if it's a mm-hmm. mastering thing or not it's not like that question in the Q and A of like, what do you what do you do that would make Bobcats pissed off? <laughs> it's nothing like that, but um, that UAD that new like Hitsville EQ, I really want to try that. Is that the Motown one? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah that would, that would pique my interest. 
I get like, but I get like a lot of work that kind of fits that vibe, like Motown or just like super serious, like analogy, warm sounding stuff. And it's like, I could totally see myself leaning into it. But like, I look at it, I'm just like, I got like 20 other things that do this exact same thing. I was like, do we really need this, Matt? And the answer is no, but I'm going to buy it. So Perhaps. take that, Matt. Okay, here's a weird one. Huh. Um, because I just still don't really like logic. I mean, I like it. and I'm go. Re- I I'm able to move like pretty quick around it. I just don't like it. I don't really like how it handles like CPU loads and stuff like that. And I've tried workarounds and I just can't figure it out. Um, no, I'm probably not going to go to Reaper. Um, I've... Tried the Wave Lab thing. It's, I don't know. It's just like, it's like a lot to learn. And I'm like doing, like, I only have a certain amount of time. Learning's the hard. Day I, I don't have time to figure it out. What? Learning's hard. I mean, I'm a caveman. And it's like, just give me some buttons and knobs and we'll just kind of go from there. I've thought, but you need like a freaking, like, I'm, I'm waiting for them to come too. But like, I've, I mean, if I start a trend, it'll be from this podcast. I've, I've wanted to try mastering on Luna just mm-hmm. because they have a lot of, like, random summing and, like, vibing stuff. And I don't know the flow, but it looks pretty close to Logic. Um, I've wanted to try that. And that I, that I think would get a little wild. I think that would get a little out of hand. I don't know how many people master on Luna or how many people even do anything on Luna, but you legit have to have like a UA interface in order to do anything on it. Yeah. I tried downloading it and I have a satellite and they're like, you can't do this. It's like, oh, great. So I don't know. That would be, that would be my. Wild I mean, the funny time. thing about this episode is when I got to Nashville and I worked in Logic, that was wild to people. Like it was literally really? like, Oh, everyone's in Pro Tools? Yeah, like, you don't work in Logic. Like, it's inferior. Like, you can't. Like, you can't make good music in Logic. That's literally, like, I had so many people basically be like, oh, well, it doesn't sound as good, and blah, blah. It was wild to people that I would work in Logic. Like, I would engineer yeah. in Logic. I would download it at the studios, three I used to work out of. I just paid for it to have it and would work out of Logic. And I converted I didn't like many nine. people. <laughs> I thought nine was a bunch of butthole, but Logic Ten is pretty. Never had any issues. I just couldn't. I don't know why. Like I had like a lot of issues working my way around it. It's probably because you had a cracked version. It's like, (laughs) you know what? (laughs) The old crack days. First of all, most of the cracks work a lot better than the than the actual like one that I paid two hundred dollars for. True, and. I don't know, but all my problems did clear up with 10. So <laughs> you bought it. Anyway, there yeah. was one time where I was an idiot and I was multi tracking front of house and I only routed the like recording matrix, whatever it was, that it only recorded like the first 16 tracks and not the full 32 tracks. And I was like, Are you freaking kidding me? And that was the last time I worked in Logic 9. And then I was like, I got to get pro. Like 10, whatever. Anywho, you want to wrap this episode? Wrap it. All right. Take us home. (laughs) Uh, You're kind of looking over my notes. Yeah, we're done here. Uh, I want to hear about the weird and wacky stuff that y'all do. (laughs) And so we'll probably coincide this episode with a post about, yo, tell us what, or coincide this episode with a post. Like, tell us about some of the kind of weird stuff that you do because... We're all weird, and that's kind of cool. So, if you hear a sweet beat in the background, that was made by the one and only Sam Moses. He does a great job at these. We have like 120-some-odd of these. And holy moly, he has not repeated the same one twice. Holy I don't... Moly. I, Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how you do it. I'm so grateful every time I hear... Like, every time you, like, send me one of these things, I put in my, like, like ear pods, whatever it is, and... I listened. I was like, "Man, I can't! I can't believe that you're like making all of these." So, I'm very grateful. Um, and so, you should also tell Sam thank you. Um, he makes his podcast sound awesome. So, uh, if you wouldn't mind, 
Uh, after you do that, take a screenshot of this moment right here and post that over to Instagram, to Facebook, wherever you are social media-ing these days. That would be wonderful. And just be like, I love the Attack and Release show. That'd be wonderful. Uh, what else? What else? What else? If you need a mastery engineer, Sam and his wild ways can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For the Record Mastering. And yeah, we'd love to take your song across the line. Or if you just want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram. It's all the same handles. And I think that's all we got. You got anything else? That's it. For the people? Sweet. Morning, afternoon, evening, whatever y'all have and have it on good one. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> Bye. That was a pretty wild and uncalled for outro. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>